0: I'm Kevin Wallace, pastor of Redemption to the Nation's Church. Listen, I'm grateful that you have joined us today for this message that God has given me to speak to your heart and to your life. I believe it's going to bring you strength and hope. I want you to pay attention. I want you to stay with me till the end. I'm going to come back and pray with you. Enjoy this message today. Today I'm going to begin a new series called Deal With It. Look at somebody tell them, deal with it. How many know there are some things in life we need to deal with before they deal with us? And for the next couple of weeks I'm going to talk about dealing with a number of things that I believe are weapons the enemy uses that we don't often talk about in the church. And I'm going to start with one today that's going to be a difficult one for us to receive because I think in some dimension or capacity it probably is attracted to all of us. And like Noxzema, coming up under the foundation, all of the makeup, it's going to get right up close to you today. But I want to talk about dealing with procrastination. Pray for me if you're a preacher, pray for me. You feel that wind came through there. Yep, a cold spirit. I want you to look at James chapter 4. I want to talk about dealing with it this next few weeks. And today we're going to talk about procrastination. Now, I recognize that, you know, my, my assignment and my oil is to, to, to hit issues going on in the church, not just ours, but regionally and nationally. And even uh, sometimes I speak through this house to the body of Christ. And, uh, and, and it's heavy sometimes. I, I know that, but that's the oil and the responsibility on this house. And sometimes we preach the truth and we act like that's a novel idea or like we should be uh, patted on the back for it because, you know, people don't do that no more. Well, preachers should preach the truth and never feel like they did God a favor by preaching the truth. And just because the, many in the church have become anemic and and. kind of shudder at the truth. Doesn't mean we should change the message to keep attracting people. We just preach the truth and let the chips fall where they may and let God do the work, amen? Amen. This next few weeks, I want to be, it's a little bit more how-to and a little more self-application and a little bit more truth for the personal journey that you're dealing with because I really believe God wants all of us to deal with some things that have been dealing with us so that we can step into a fuller measure of our destiny and our purpose because I'm going to tell you right now destiny does not happen accidentally and your purpose is not achieved accomplished or seized accidentally you got to be intentional about maximizing the life Christ intended for you to live because the enemy will make sure he sends plenty of stuff in your way to keep you from the destiny Christ died to give you so, I want to talk about being intentional. I want you to go to James chapter 4, and we begin this series called Deal with It. And today, the first message is called Dealing with Procrastination. James chapter 4, verse 13, when you got it, say, Glory. Glory. Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, somebody say, instead. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, listen to this verse. Therefore, to him or her who knows to do good and does not do it, to them it is sin. If you know to do it and you don't do it, to you or me, the Bible calls it missing the mark. It's sin. Let's pray today that the Spirit of God would speak to all of our hearts regarding the issue of procrastination and that the grace for transformation and personal deliverance would be resting on us as we preach. How many want to do everything God put you on this planet to do and you don't want to miss one assignment? Father, help me to teach and them to receive today. I thank you for the anointing that breaks yokes, the truth that sets all men and women free. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And I pray with careful grace you would allow me to use that sword to open the hearts of your people. And may your Word penetrate the heart today. And may you cut back things in our heart, Lord, that are hindering our lives. And may you restore to us the things we've lost, remove from us the hindrances that abound. I give you my ears to speak to and my mouth to speak through. Help me in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. I've often told you from this pulpit that the most precious commodity we possess is time. Time is something all of us have a limited amount of whether you live to be 60, 70, 80, or 120, the book of James is clear that life is just a passing vapor. And it is how we treat this thing called time that determines the fullness of the life we live. When you come to the epistle of James, the fourth chapter. James is in the process of rebuking people within the church, challenging behaviors in the church, the church people, who have begun to act presumptuously, arrogantly, and with no humility regarding the stewardship of their time. They frivolously say that tomorrow we'll go here and the next day we'll go here and we will do whatever we want, however we want, whenever we want because they were living as if time was endless for them. But James pulls them back into a reality check and he tells them that you're acting arrogantly when you speak presumptuously of how you will handle tomorrow. Because tomorrow is only promised to us if God gives it to us. No No matter the amount of money you may have, no matter the amount of influence you may have, you can't buy more tomorrows. God gives us tomorrows. So we have to be good stewards of what we're doing today. And he says something in this that I think is alarming as I read it this week and was preparing my heart for this message. It just gnaws at me. This scripture bothers me in a very godly way. If you know to do something and you don't do it, to you it is sin. And sometimes we know to do it and we don't do it because we think I'll do it Tomorrow. But this scripture teaches us that procrastination is not just a personal sort of personality trait. Procrastination is a threat. It is a sin. It is not to be treated trifling. It is something we should deal with aggressively. In fact, the Webster Dictionary defines procrastinate as to put off intentionally and habitually, to put off intentionally the doing of something that should be done. The origin of the word procrastinate comes from a Latin word meaning to put off till tomorrow. Gloria Pitzer, a famous poet, wrote a poem about procrastination, and it goes like this. Procrastination is my sin. It brings me naught but sorrow. I know I should stop it. In fact, I will tomorrow. (laughs) Procrastination is one of Satan's most utilized and successful weapons. As I was preparing my heart for this message, I did a little bit of studying on the science of procrastination. I found it fascinating that actually there are massive amounts of people in our generation who are diagnosed daily with stress disorders, and when traced back to the root of their stress, many are dealing with a self-punishing stress that is the result of their own procrastination. The guilt and stress related to procrastination is real. In fact, there's an entire body of research dedicated to the Self blaming thoughts, many of us tend to have in the wake of our own procrastination. It's called procrastinatory cognition. And it is the ongoing thought process in us whereby we condemn ourselves and stress ourselves and distress ourselves by delaying the inevitable and pushing it off. Unless you think I'm just talking about something today that is some self-help initiative for each of us, procrastination is to be dealt with aggressively. As James chapter 4 verse 17 says, to you or I, when we know to do something and don't do it, it's not just a personality flaw, it's a sin. It's missing the mark. Hamartia, missing the mark. You were not created to be a delayer. You were created to be a doer that flows out of being a child of God. I do not do to get to be a child of God. I do because I work from a revelation that I belong to him and as Abba he belongs to me. And because I am created in his image, whenever he started something, he finished it and then he rested. Sometimes we can't find rest because of the projects we began but never saw ourselves to complete. And God wants us to tackle the thing that rises up in all of us, that hinders us from finishing, touch somebody tell them, finish it. If you start it, if God quickened you to start it, if he led you to start it, if he encouraged you to start it, he would never call you to begin something. He doesn't supply the grace for you to complete. Now, sometimes we start things in the flesh and then want God to bail us out. But the reality of it is if it's birthed in the Spirit, there is an oil for completion on that thing and you need to pick up where you left off some things you stopped. And I know that we stop sometimes because it's not always easy. I know we stop doing things sometimes because it's not always simple or enjoyable. That's why some people in here have been married 12 times. I woke you up with that one. That's why some people in here have been married 12 times because they thought that the first wife was the problem and the second husband was the problem. And the for- Y'all not going to help me, but I'm going to preach today. And sometimes you've just quit on something that deserved some attention that you've been giving to other places and God wants us to finish some things that he began in our life. James said to him who knows to do it. Now that's an important point. I think it's important to relieve some of the anxiety in the room. When we, when we start talking about procrastination, we have this level of anxiety rise up. Like what is he talking about this for? I want him to preach on the blood. I preached on the blood last week. I'm going to preach on the blood next week. Today I'm going to preach on procrastination. Because salvation doesn't exempt you from or I from growing up. Sometimes we say, oh, the blood, the power of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, the power of the Holy Ghost is for more than a feeling. The power of the Holy Ghost is for more than a goose bump on your neck and falling out in the floor. The power of the Holy Ghost is to get you to finish some stuff. Where's my help in this room? I need at least three people to designate themselves as the pastor's helper while he preaches this message today. It's important to relieve some of the unnecessary anxiety in the room when we have this conversation. James does not say to those who don't know what to do, do it. He says to those who know what to do, do it without a delay. This is an important point because sometimes we don't know what to do. And when we don't know what to do, we should not invest our time in creating something to do. We should invest our time in discovering the will of God and then do it. Ephesians 5, can we put that scripture up on the screen? Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but wise. Making the best use of time because the, making the what? The best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of God is. If you're going to be a good steward of time, the first thing you got to do is know the will of God. Because people spend way too much time wasting time doing things that are not the will of God for their lives and then they want to invoke the blessing of God on something God did not will. So if I'm not going to want to waste time and I want to know what the will of God is, how do I know the will of God? For that you go to Romans chapter 12. Brothers and sisters, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Listen, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. For what purpose? That you might prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of that's a whole sermon right there you can't know the will of God until you've given your life as a sacrifice on an altar by the mercy of God and said I'm not here for my own life I'm here to live the life Jesus died to give me you can't find the will of God while you're busy trying to find your own will I said something. You cannot possibly come to a knowledge of the will of God if you are busy chasing your own will. Some of us are going to find deliverance today not because God brings, brings you a, an anointing that shatters a yoke of hell. You don't have heaviness. You have some rebellion and stubbornness. You keep trying to call the shots and you want God to bless your decisions and God wants you to lay all that mess on the altar and pick up the heart of a servant and live for his glory. We have to understand that time is precious. Don't miss this. Paul said the days are evil. Now I know some of us want to fancy ourselves and believe that we are living in days unprecedented evil. Paul lived in some evil days himself. He said so. In Ephesians 5, he did not say the days are rosy and peanut butter and jelly. He said the days are evil. In Paul's day, it was evil, and he knew this. We have a limited measure of time to make a difference. The days are evil, which means if righteous people are wasting their time, days are getting more evil. You are the one that has a strategy to change a generation. We possess the ability to make a difference in our day, and if we are wasting our time, where will the evil it will only expand. There are some people in here that have been anointed to shut down some indres- industries of darkness. You've been anointed to confront some giants in our day. If you are out picking roses and wasting your time, messing your life away and not using it for the glory of God, then what will evil do? It will only expand, it will only increase. When the righteous waste their time, when the righteous waste their time, evil abounds. This is interesting. How many people in this room, don't lie, you you might go to hell if you lie, but how many people in this room, some of y'all smile, my God, between the ages of 18 to 34, lift your hand if you're 18 to 34, listen to this regarding procrastination. According to psychology today, there is... Among people ages 18 to 34, a syndrome called the failure to launch syndrome. I'm not making this up. This is a psychological issue we're dealing with. God, I'm getting some hate mail right now. I feel that thing. (laughs) Shake it off real quick. Hold on. A failure to launch syndrome of a study conducted... 45% of 18 to 34-year-olds still live at home with their parents, refuse to get a career job, and refuse to date seriously for fear of being married. I'm walking around. I'm tired of standing up here feeling like Dr. Phil. I want to tell you this right now. We have, it ain't just 18 to 34. There's a syndrome in the church that the disciples had in the book of Luke. They were sitting in the shallow end and had been fishing all night and caught nothing. And the master got in the boat and said, launch out into the deep. If you want to catch something you never caught, you're going to have to go somewhere you've never gone and do something you've never done and quit telling me there are no fish in that pond. You are just lazy and you don't want to go to your oh God. <laughs> Touch somebody, tell your neighbor, I refuse, I refuse to be cursed with a failure to launch. I might fail, I might blow it I might have a wreck but I am not staying in the shallow end one more day I am cutting the anchor I'm getting rid of this stuff that's held me oh God I felt that I'm getting ready to launch I've got a destiny to seize I've got a future to go get and I'm not going to sit on the sideline watching the game go by I'm getting ready to launch We have a failure to launch at times, and we procrastinate. I want to give you some causes for procrastination, and then I'm going to give you a cure, and then we're going to be done. Maybe. <laughs> Number one, why do we procrastinate? Now, the most obvious is actually the least Clinically proven. Most people say that laziness is the greatest reason we procrastinate. And it certainly is a component of procrastination. But clinically, laziness is the least proven reason people procrastinate. But I do want to stand here today and remind you that laziness is not something we just get over when people display it or something, you know, that's just how he is. He needs to change. Now, I I love everybody in this room and I'm going to say this in all love, like my fingernails, my hair, my toenails, everything about me is full of love when I say this. But hard work is an earmark of a child of God. Get a job. Don't look at me like that. I will come down off this place. Get a job. Well, I can't find, I'll take you personally to 147 restaurants I've eaten at recently who can't even serve me in an hour and a half because they can't find enough weight? I will pay you a tremendous tip. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> <Yeah. laughs> Proverbs 10:4 Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. Let's do something in the middle of this message real quick. Somebody throw your hands up. This is not a rhetorical action. This is a faith action. Somebody throw your hands up real quick and say, God, make these hands diligent hands. Say, God, help me to create wealth with these hands and don't you give me that religious garbage about poverty and don't you start talking to me about oh you're a prosperity preacher I am a gospel preacher and the gospel will break the curse of poverty off your life and if you will work with God he will work through you a good man leaves an inheritance for his children let me walk around here now I've not gotten a mood to get in a fight with the devil. I was in a conference this past week. I preached for Pastor John Gray, and he invited me before I preached on Friday night to be a part of a, of a session with men, all men. And I was one of five panelists who were talking to men. It was called Man to Man. And one of the men on the panel was 82 years old. His name was Solomon Nix. He calls himself Saul. He is the single most successful. Prudential insurance salesman in the history of Prudential. An African-American man raised in Mississippi. All of his life as a young boy, as a nine, 10, 11-year-old boy, he worked Friday, Saturday, and Sunday from 11 p.m. to 6 a.m. and went to school on Monday. He did it to help his mother. As a nine-year-old, 10-year-old, 11-year-old boy, he did it to help his mother, and he said, it was the greatest joy of my life to bring my $6 to her every Monday and say, mama, here, I'm gonna help you pay the bills. He told the story. My God, it was so powerful. He told the story about working in this restaurant, and there were two water faucets in the restaurant, the white water fountain and the black water fountain and he said I was always threatened and told I can never drink from the white water fountain he said but I wanted to drink from it because in my little naive mind I thought if I drink from that white water fountain I'll be smarter I'll have more opportunity and I'll feel cleaner he said so at 4 a.m. when nobody else was in the room one morning I made sure nobody was watching. He said, I snuck over. Am I telling the truth? He said, I snuck over to the white water fountain. He said, I made sure one more time nobody was watching, and I bent over, and I got a drink out of the white water fountain. He said, you know what I found out? The white water tasted just like that water I was drinking out of that black fountain. He said something clicked in me that day and I determined that I'll never ever live in fear another day in my life. He went to Chicago, Illinois, walked into the Prudential Insurance Building. They were hiring people. They looked at him and said, you can't work here. He said, I will work for free. He became so indispensable that he was the greatest insurance salesman in the history of Prudential and today is worth hundreds of millions of dollars because he decided these hands will be used for the glory of God don't you ever let nobody tell you you can't be successful if God be for you who can be against you somebody shout yes laziness I gotta go Laziness is one reason. Second reason, fear. Fear will make you procrastinate. What am I afraid of? I'm afraid of doing something that will produce a bad outcome. Some people are perfectionists. And procrastination becomes an excuse to protect their protectionism, their perfectionism. Miss rewind that. I said, procrastination becomes an excuse to protect your perfectionism. you never do a job, because if I do it and fail, people won't think I'm a perfectionist anymore. Can I bring you into a secret? Come here, hurry, come here. We don't think you're a perfectionist already. We actually think you're screwed up. And it's okay. Ready for this? None of us are perfectionists. There was only one who is a perfectionist. His name is Jesus. So stop excusing procrastination by fearing that you're not going to do it well. Slap somebody, tell a neighbor Nike said, just do it. Just do it. What if I fail? Okay, what if you fail? The only way to ensure true failure is to never try. One of the things that we have done in America is we have removed the ability to fail forward. Failure does not have to be final. You can actually go forward after failure if you're willing to learn from your faults. And if you fear starting because you are afraid that the outcome may not be what it's supposed to be, then fear which paralyzes will keep you in a pattern of procrastination. And when you keep on procrastinating because you're afraid of a an imperfect outcome, then you get stressed. These are the worst people to hang around. No, I don't mean that like I can't handle them, but they get on my nerves. Stressed out and take it all out on you and you didn't even do nothing. Y'all looking at me like y'all don't know. I got some friends I'll introduce you to. How many have ever, how many, okay, personally, how many have ever been the type that you're stressed and you project your stress on other people and the other people don't even want to be around you when you get like that? They didn't even do anything to deserve it. Just hateful. Your spouse come in the kitchen, just bite their head off. Oh, I was just going to get a sandwich, but I fast. I fast, it ain't that important. I can, I can wait till dinner. You're going to be all right? Can I pray for you? Devin, lift your hands. He called by shake. Come on. Receive deliverance. No, I'm kidding. Actually, I'm not, but it's true. Here's the deal. Here's the, where's she at? Okay, she's gone. Good. Here's the deal. We procrastinate and don't pull the trigger on situations because oftentimes we're afraid. Can I give you one thing and then we'll move on to the next one? Sometimes you have to do it afraid. Mm. Let that sink in for a minute. Sometimes you have to do it afraid. Well, I'm waiting on perfect peace. Perfect peace comes from obeying God, not from him giving you assurance of what it's going to turn out like. How many, let me take a poll. How many in here have ever had to do something afraid? Hands down in that situation. If you're thinking about a clear situation, how many of y'all can say it turned out good for the glory of God? Yeah, can I be real with all the single people? All oh, the single lady, all oh, the single lady, all oh, no, okay. Listen, can I be real? Marriage, sometimes you got to do marriage afraid. All the single people like drew up. Did y'all feel that? They were like, whoa. I don't know, I don't know. Can I tell you what? Marriage is a risk. You are putting yourself out there. Now, let's be real clear. You should check their past, their history, their credit, their criminality. (laughs) Get married two years later. I didn't know you was a felon in nine states, fool. You should have known that. (laughs) I mean, you need to do research and you do need to get more than just their shape and figure. Because while you may be attracted to their 36, 24, 36, they may have some skeletons in their closet that you ain't going to jive with. Y'all not saying nothing. I went straight ghetto on some of y'all. Y'all can't handle this on Sunday morning. But this is why we got so many marriage counseling centers filled because nobody did the proper research to make sure they were marrying somebody for the right reason rather than just the lust reason. because you can be attracted to their body but unattracted to their spirit. I'm done. Somebody get the car warmed up. So fear. Look at somebody tell them don't fear. Number three, we procrastinate because of distractions. I hope you're taking notes. We procrastinate because of distractions. This is why I started writing more than just studying and typing because even on a device that is intended to help you be productive, it's filled with distractions that lead to unproductivity. So you're writing, you're writing, you're typing, you're typing, and then all of a sudden you get a message. So-and-so sent you a message. Oh, you got a new like, somebody shared, somebody commented, ooh, let me see what they said. And before you know it, you lost all train of thought. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. Social media can be a platform to spread the good news and to testify of the faithfulness of God. It can also be a distraction. I recently was talking to somebody and, and they were talking about how they purchased followers for their platform. I said, what well, do you mean you purchase followers? Like you, you spent money to buy people? Yeah, but they're not real. Oh, this is worse. In my mind, I'm thinking this brother is sick. The problem is he's a preacher. And so I said to him, what does that do? Like when you get more people, he said, well, when you follow someone, the first thing they look is how many followers you have. And if you have a robust following, they are inclined to follow you back. And in my mind, I'm going, this dude is deceptive. Y'all don't have to say amen. You know people like that. Some of y'all are like that. You want to, we want people to think we are more important than we are. Can I tell you right now, the greatest thing you can do in life is love where you are on your way to where you're going and stop trying to compete and create a life that is not real. Distractions. Remember, Jesus said, "Leave everything and follow me. Okay, let me go home and tell my mom and them bye. Let me go back and ba- marry this woman real quick. What kind of dude is that anyway? Let me go back and bury my mother and father. Jesus said, "No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Is Jesus being inconsiderate and disconnected and hard? No. What Jesus is saying is make sure you don't get distracted in life. Number four, or three, four, thank you. All these people over here are adjusting me. Thank you so much. I appreciate you keeping. You didn't procrastinate in your rebuke. Hallelujah. You told me very quickly. I appreciate that. Or would I be without you? Okay, I'm just kidding. Here we go. Number, <laughs> Number four. Fourth reason we procrastinate is presumption. What is that? Presumption is the idea that the opportunity you are presented with will be available tomorrow no matter what you do with today. Leonard Ravenhill once said that the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of that opportunity. When this building that you're sitting in today, and some of you have heard me tell this story, and some of you have not, but the building that we sit in today, I was this close to not purchasing and, and deciding this is not the building. We, are the, we had other buildings. This was a big building. And at the time that it was... On the market, we didn't have a congregation this big. And a dear brother came to me and said, have you heard about this building? And I said, well, I heard about it, but it's so big. And he said, you ought to pray and see if God wants you to have it. And this person said, and I said, well, I'm sure they want a lot of money for that building. We don't have that much money. He said, I didn't ask you if you have the money. He said, I asked you if God wanted you to have it. There's a difference between having what you need and having what, God, having what you want and having everything you need to do everything God called you to do. Provision always follows vision. So I went on a three-day fast. Some people get more spiritual when they fast. I get hungry. I mean, I get in the flesh when I fast. And I have to bind it too. You go into Walmart and there's a nine-foot steak over the food section. You look up, you're like, Phew. I rebuked that, that, that ribeye spirit, Lord, break it off my mind. <laughs> I was on a three-day fast. I was actually preaching that weekend. Chris was with me. We, we are on the third day of a fast. I'm on the third day of a fast and I'm asking God, do you want us to have this building? I don't want to buy it if you don't want it. I'm not into just big to have big. If you want us to have this building, I want this building. But if you don't, I don't. And I had not heard God and I was this close to calling the brother that spoke to me and telling him that's not for us. And I almost called the real estate agent on this building and said, we can't, we don't want this. I was standing in the Atlanta airport on the last day of a fast trying to find the mind of God about what to do about this building. I've got my, my little uh, book bag in my hand. Chris is standing there with me. And the train comes up from, from, tra- uh, from, the, from the A terminal to take us to the C terminal so we could come home. And I'm sitting there waiting on the train to come get us at the, for the C terminal. And a voice comes over the speaker, and here's what it said. Careful, doors are closing and will not reopen. And everybody else was like, "Mm -hmm." you know, they'd be bopping and singing. And I'm like this. (laughs) (laughs) Chris like, what just happened? And I said, God just spoke to me. He said he did. What did he say? I said, he spoke to that train operator's voice. He said, what? I said, Chris, God just said to me regarding this building, doors are closing and will never reopen. And I could not get home fast enough to meet the real estate agent to show me this building because I knew I had heard God. When I walked into this room, very different than it looks right now, it was mauve and gold. (laughs) Jesus, thank you for deliverance. (laughs) It was mauve and gold. And when I walked into this building, tears filled my eyes. I said, God, why are you doing this? This building is too big for me. And the Lord said to me, this building cannot hold what I'm getting ready to do. Listen to me, procrastination. Listen to me. Procrastination is often engaged in because we presume I can wait and that opportunity will always be there but don't miss this sometimes doors open for a season and when they close you don't ever get the opportunity to go back through those doors I made up my mind that day I'd rather deal with failure than regret Look at somebody tell them that. I'd rather deal with failure than to be eat up with regret the rest of my life. What would have happened if I just tried it? I might not catch anything, but if I stay in this shallow water the rest of my life, I've been fishing all night long and caught nothing. What do I have to lose? I'm getting ready to go for broke. I'm launching out into the deep. And the last reason we don't do it immediately is we have misplaced priorities. Can I help you understand something? Whether you take advantage of the opportunity or not, there are still the same amount of minutes in an hour and the same hours in a day. It's not that you didn't have the time, it's that you misplaced priority and invested the commodity of time into the wrong thing. You are going to have 24 hours in a day no matter what you decide to do. It's just the decision you make with the time you have will determine the kind of future you get to enjoy or not some of us don't have joy about thinking about the future because we haven't been good stewards of now I want to encourage everybody in this room to get some priority lists together and I think you ought to go home as a little bit of homework and start writing down what are my priorities for my personal life What are my priorities for my family? I don't know about you. I want to leave my children something. (laughs) How many want to leave? See, it gets quiet because we think this ain't spiritual, but Proverbs says it is. Proverbs says a good man leaves his children an inheritance. Well, I ain't leaving them nothing. My daddy didn't leave me nothing. What a statement. Ignorance perpetuating ignorance. Break that curse. Shando boho katatabasa. I feel the Holy Ghost on me in this thing. I said, break that curse. I hope and pray. This is the only desire I have in my life. I hope and pray if the Lord tarries 150 years from now, all them Wallaces are sitting at a house somewhere eating Thanksgiving, and my old crusty face is up on a picture somewhere, and all my great-great-great-great-grandchildren said, who is that? And my great-great-great-great-grandson said, that is our great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather who did not take no for an answer. He Refused to be defined by the stereotypes of religion. He broke us out of religion and and ushered us into a river and we're blessed and we're sitting here and we're and we're financially blessed and we're spiritually blessed because he believed that God was big enough to tell, oh, you better quit it because if we get started right here, I'll be here through lunchtime. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, some of you need to break the curse over your family and decide I'm not living with misprioritized priorities. Another day in my life, my children, children will be blessed. My grandchildren will be blessed. My babies are going to have a prayer life. They're going to have an inheritance. I'm not just leaving a memory. I'm leaving them something to put in their hand. By the help of God, misplaced priorities. And you say, Pastor, I don't have anything to leave. I challenge you to start saving where you are. You start teaching like this, and people draw up, and because we have to have unlimited data plans, all seven people got to have a new iPhone 14X. What is that? I'm not telling you not to get a, a plan or a phone, I'm just telling you, don't eat your seed. Instead of spending $500 a month on cell phone bills and cell phones, spend 300 and put 200 in savings. Where's my help? Where is my help? Well, Pastor Wallace, I can't tithe because I got credit card bills. So wait, don't get mad at me. I love everybody, and I don't know who ties and who don't. I don't check those things. I treat everybody the same. But let me fix something. If you have the ability to pay Chase Credit Company 19%, wait, 19% a month in interest, but can't pay ABBA 10% because he supplies your every need, there is a priority. Pro- Where's my help? I got like seven of y'all with me and the rest of y'all getting offended. I'm telling you why you still feel like the tail and not the head. You will become the head and not the tail when he is your first priority and you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you. Say yes. So let me give you a cure and we're gonna get out because we're coming back tonight. Let me give you you the cure for procrastination. Number one, minimize distractions. Get them out of your life. You know there's a reason why Jesus said go into your prayer closet and shut the door. Because if you don't shut the door, some stuff's going to follow you in there. Shut the door. Touch somebody, tell them shut the door. Minimize distractions. If you're going to go read the Bible, don't read the Bible and check Facebook at the same time. I'm not getting no help. I'm not telling you not to check Facebook. I'm telling you, don't, don't mix it all up. Get your priorities in order. If you want to have a good day, start it off with Jesus. <laughs> Minimize distractions. Number two. Ready for this one? Obey immediately. I did not just say obey. I said obey immediately. Why? Because delayed obedience is still disobedience. And sometimes we think, I'll obey when I get around to it. You may never get around to it, and it may catch up with you that you never obeyed immediately. God wants us to understand, I'm getting ready to talk about it immediately, God wants us to understand the principle that when he reveals to you his will and you know what you ought to do, you should act on it immediately because there's something attached to that act of obedience. Number three, trust God with the outcome. There are times I struggle with making the decision because I'm like, what's that going to produce? What's, what's going to be the outcome? And I've had to lay down at night and learn how to say, for God I live, for God I die, may all that I do be unto the glory of God. And sometimes I've done that and it didn't work out so well and God was no less my father because I did it with a pure heart and I did it to honor him and even though the outcome is not what I wanted, he still worked it out for my good and his glory. Number four, if you want to overcome procrastination, listen, align your priorities with kingdom priorities. God will bless every area of your life. Finances, Job, future, your mate, spouse, mate, <laughs> gotta qualify these things. <laughs> spouse, when you get married. Because <laughs> I don't want you to think it's normal for Christian people to sleep together forever before they get married. But I'm trying it out. Now, you need to be committed, and y'all getting all mad now, I'm meddling now. But I'm anointed while I'm meddling. And if you're living together and had not got married and you're feeling guilty and have been feeling guilty, I'll marry you. I said, I will marry you. But I'm not going to stand up here and say it's all right for you to have privileges without commitment. Where is my help in this church? bunch of quiet Presbyterians. I'm done here. In the gospel of St. Mark, Jesus is called the Son of Man. Mark is the shortest gospel in the whole Bible. And yet 41 times in one book, the Greek word euthos, E-U-T-H-O-S, is used to describe the behavior and the activity of Jesus. 41 times in all but one chapter of of the book of Mark, the word euthos is moved. Used and it m- means this it's where you see the word in one translation, it says immediately Jesus, immediately Jesus. One translation, NIV, I believe, says straightway Jesus, straightway, straightway, 41 times in the gospel of Mark alone. Why is that word used so much in the gospel of Saint Mark, who calls Jesus the Son of Man and portrays Jesus to be a servant of the Lord? Why? Do we see this repetitious use of the word euthos? Immediately, Jesus came up out of the water. Immediately, Jesus was baptized by John. Immediately, Jesus went into the city. Immediately, Jesus went upstairs and healed the girl that was dead. Immediately. Why is all this used in the Gospel of Mark? He's trying to show us the life that although Jesus was the Son of God, he was the Son of Man, and as the Son of Man was a servant of the Father. His time was God's time. His life was used for God's purpose. So he didn't delay. He didn't procrastinate. He didn't waste time. Everything was immediately. That doesn't mean it was rushed, it means there was no delay. When he knew the will of God, immediately he went to the River Jordan. Immediately he was baptized by by John and the river. Immediately he went to Jairus' house. Why? No time to waste. He was the servant of the Lord. We waste time because we forget that we belong to him, and it is his will, not ours. Immediately, over and over and over again. Straightway. In fact, the Greek word euthos literally means, stand with me, I'm through. It literally means to move. Don't miss this. This might be the most important thing I've said to you all day regarding procrastination. When the Bible says that Jesus moved immediately, the Greek word euthos means to go from point A to point B with no detours in between. When you're at point A and you become aware of the will of God at point B, move and don't let detours distract you and delay you in between most of y'all know this some of you don't Devin and I got married when I turned 20 the day I turned 20 years old I got married Devin was still 19 everybody thought well, most people thought we were crazy. And I knew early on she was gonna be my wife. I didn't know how to tell her that, so I just told her, and then she ran from me. <laughs> Misty knows this. She's like, Who are you? I'm Kevin, and God told me you're gonna be my wife. Hold oh, by my mom. And she's like, Call the police. Somebody get this fool out of my! I remember being in a a revival. Her family was on vacation in the same city I was preaching in. I was 19. She was 19. And she was talking about getting married two years later. And in my heart, I said, Lord, I mean, I can't make her marry me. But that ain't what you told me. So I'm going to need you to talk to her. So he did. He talked to her. We're driving down the road. She starts crying. God told me we're supposed to get married this year. I'm like, cool, Ramase. <laughs> My Hyundai, oh, <sighs> When she said yes to God, literally the next day, walked in the first dress store, bam, dress paid for. Next day, preaching in that revival, dude walks up, caters our entire wedding for free. I'm not talking about like ham sliders. I mean that was okay if that's what you like, but I'm talking about food you can't even pronounce. Now like give me some of the right exquisite. I didn't know how it's gonna pay for a ring. I didn't know how it's gonna pay for a honeymoon. I didn't have nothing. I was 19 preaching, and the 19, when you're preaching back then, they give you green beans for an offering. Be like, all these people got saved. Somebody help me bless the man of God. Bring the, bring the canned green beans up here. Like, Father, I'm thankful, but I need some gas <laughs> in my car. When you follow God, sometimes you got to do it afraid. But when you know point B and you're standing in point A, don't delay. Get there straightway immediately. Why? Because your life is not your own. Your time is a gift from God. Lift those hands one more time before we leave. Father, you see our hearts and lives. For too many of us, procrastination has robbed us of greatness. We have sat on the side, we've delayed, we've missed our moment at times. And if we're left to ourselves, we'll miss it again. But today I break the spirit of procrastination. If you need this, just throw both hands up. I break the hesitancy, the spirit, the fear. Lord, whatever it is causing us to delay, I pray today for a spirit of launch to come on this house. Woo! I pray for a spirit of launch to come on this house. Lord, I pray you'll make your will very well well known to them and I pray they not be hindered in their launch. I come against that failure to launch spirit on our young sons and daughters that fear that they're going to fail I pray in this house there'd be such a measure of grace extended that they would not see the fear of failure as a reason not to launch but I pray that even in their launching God uh, as they know your will when they become aware of what you're saying and that you're up to something even though they don't have all the details, even though they can't put it all together. I pray they'll overcome their fear and they'll launch for the glory of God. I feel a grace being released right now to 18 to 45 year olds, 34 year olds. God right now give them the courage to launch. Let entrepreneurs rise up in this house. God, we have mitigated and we've hedged our we've protected ourselves and we've hedged our bets, but today I'm praying that a a risk-taking spirit would come upon this house and that as we follow you even when we don't understand it all when we know you're calling us to the deeper things we will launch I want you right now to come out of agreement with procrastination and we're going home. I want you right now, if you've ever procrastinated, if while I'm preaching you've been feeling this little bit of anxiety, like, Lord, what am I doing with my life, and and, and maybe you've felt guilty over something, you procrastinated over right now. I want anybody in that case, and it's me too, I want us to throw our hands up and say, I come out of agreement with procrastination. I come out of agreement with delays. I come out of agreement with delayed obedience. Today and from this day forward, I will see myself as a servant of the Lord. My time is his time. I am on his assignment. I will not waste one more day. I will do everything he calls me to do and do it when he calls me to do it in the name of Jesus. And I feel like I need to release this over you before you leave. Listen, the failure of the past will not define your time tomorrow if you missed a moment God's about to give you a grace opportunity to get some stuff back in the name of Jesus if you've missed something but you want to give God praise that is about to give you a second chance somebody praise him for restoration right now somebody praise him for restoration right now thank you Lord may the word of the Lord be sealed in every heart if you're in this room and you're not right with God but you need to get right with God and you need to give Jesus your heart And you want to get saved before you leave. The most important decision you can make right now is the one to say yes to Christ. And if you procrastinate that decision, then you may never have that opportunity again. And I feel in my heart from the very beginning of this service like salvation was in this house. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you need Christ to save you and you want Christ to come into your heart and you do not want to waste another day. When I say three, throw that hand up and say, Pastor Kevin, pray for me. I want to be saved. I want to give my life to Jesus. One, two, three. Right now, lift that hand if you need to get right with God. Come on, lift that hand. God bless you. God bless you. I see a hand up over there. Hands up back there. God bless you. Everybody look at me right now. We're getting ready to release everybody. But if you just lifted your hand or you should have, it is imperative today that you understand today is the day of salvation. I want you to ask the neighbor on your right and left this question right now. Do you need someone to go to the altar and pray with you? And if they say, if you said yes when I called your that, that request, if you lifted your hand or you should have, because you need to give your heart to Christ when your neighbor asks you. Come on, young man. He's already coming. If you know you need to give your heart to the Lord, when you, come on, ask your neighbor right now. Do you need somebody to go pray with you? If you lifted your hand or you should have, come on, right now. Anybody else before he prays? Come on, one came. Heaven is rejoicing over one. We're going to do the same. Stretch your hands and pray for them. If you got to go get your babies, we understand. Get back tonight at 6. It's going to be the last Sunday night service of this month, and it's been powerful. Father, I pray right now for these dear people that came to the altar. Thank you for saving and forgiving Thank you for the work of your spirit that you've done in this room today. I pray in the holy name of Jesus that the power of God would keep the yoke broken off. The yoke of procrastination will not return. And if it rises up, I pray you will help us to overcome and conquer it. Help us keep our eyes on the reward and the prize. Help us keep our priorities in order. And Father, I thank you you've delivered us from the spirit of fear and given us faith. In the holy name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. They're going to continue to pray. I love you. I'll see you tonight at 6 p.m. Go in the peace of God. I believe this message today is speaking life and hope to you in your journey. We wouldn't be bringing it to you today had it not been for faithful partners around this nation who are helping us to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you want to leave us a prayer request, I want you to go to kevinwallace.tv. Let us know how our team can pray for you. You'll also find a place there where you can learn more about partnership, how you and your family can help us continue to spread this good news of Jesus around this nation and around this world. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next week, God bless you. We're praying over you and your family today.